Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. We acknowledge the traditional owners of country throughout Australia and recognise their continuing connection to land, waters and culture. We pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging. Welcome to This Song Is Yours, a music podcast where we chat to a new guest each week, talk about their life and creative endeavours and talk to them about some of the music they love. Our show works by chatting to our guests about music, their songwriting techniques and occasionally getting them to make you a playlist of the songs they love. Welcome to episode 200. I'm your host, Simon Fink. Our guest today is Churches. The Scottish electro-pop trio are revisiting our shores later this year to play Falls Festival in support of their brilliant fourth record, Screen Violence. In today's episode, we're speaking with frontwoman Lauren Mayberry about their songwriting techniques, what kind of horror movies she can withstand, and we discuss Australia's love affair with churches. Here we go. Our guest today is the frontwoman and songwriter for one of the most popular electropop groups in the last 10 years. Having burst onto the scene almost 10 years ago with The Mother We Share, Church has released their brilliant fourth studio record last year entitled Screen Violence. Come December and January, they'll be playing at Falls Festival dates around Australia. Please welcome to This Song Is Yours, Lauren Mayberry from Churches. Hello, how are we? Hi, I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Thank you so much for joining us today. No, thank you for asking. I feel like it's much earlier in the day for you than it is for me, so I feel breezy, all things considered. (laughs) Look, I, regardless of the time for us, when they say that Lauren from Churches is on the call, we get up whenever we need to. So again, I very much appreciate your time with us today. Thank you. I feel like my mum paid you to say that or something, but I appreciate it. Um, now, Lauren, you are on your way back to Australia in a number of months uh, at, for Falls Festival, which I want to get into a little bit later. But just in terms of touring, I feel like from what I've seen, churches and yourself, you've been on the road for most of this year, if I'm correct. Yeah, we've been trying to play as many places as we can in the landscape that there is, you know. Um, but yeah, this is our first time back to Australia since covid and on this album so we're really excited because i feel like australia feels like our kind of second home like our spiritual home for sure because we have so many friends based out there and our management company is australian so i feel like we've always been surfing the two time zones (laughs) for the entirety of the band and we always have such great shows there people are so kind to us so i'm excited that we get to do it we were worried that we weren't going to be able to get back on this record but we're coming falls festival we're going to be there We know a lot of people that are very excited about that. And I I would agree. I feel that churches almost seem like an adopted Australian uh, uh, band or group of ragtag musicians. There is a big love for churches down here in Australia. Do you know, I, I know you just mentioned management, but I guess, is there anything else that you attribute to Australia's love of yourself and, and the boys and the band? 
I don't know. I wonder. Um, yeah, I think it was one of the like first places we got there, and I'd never been to Australia before the band, and I had no idea what to expect. I was like, what a lovely thing to get to invited to do, but probably no one will come to the shows. And the first shows we played in Australia were sold out, and it's been basically consistently that for the whole lifespan of the band, which is incredibly fortunate, and we're really grateful for that. But I don't know. I feel like maybe there's like a kinship in terms of like, I don't know personality or ethos or something between Scotland and Australia I feel like yeah an Aussie night out feels very similar to a Glaswegian night out <laughs> to be honest so I have to be careful I have to be careful I'm like no I'm working I can't, I can't, I can't be this messy but yeah and I think we did lean way pretty early in the band and I think that it was such a mad year that we did that it was like us and Hyam and Lord and Frightened Rabbit and all those guys, like all those guys on one tour which in hindsight feels absolutely insane but yeah doing that so early I think really put us in a good spot to for people to find out about the band and yeah you guys have much nicer weather than us as well so we're always always happy to come always happy <laughs> it has been a little bit rainy as of late but hopefully that uh, weather does improve come the end of the year um, I would agree I think everyone I've spoken to friends colleagues family all seem to have a church's laneway story whether it be that first time round um if if you would indulge me just for a minute or so um i have a laneway story with churches where i went uh with my then girlfriend of i think about two weeks and uh in 2016 and we went to see churches that was the one kind of band that was the crossover on both of our timetables um and I think it was clearest blue where we kind of realised that this relationship was working and then earlier this year we got married. So uh, I I I take full credit. Thank you. (laughs) I wanted to to, repay my due to yourself to thank you for that. But those stories are always so cool and so special because, I don't know, even though we've been a band for a decade now, which feels absolutely insane, like we all have those stories about bands that we love and there's certain songs that when I see people play them, I will without fail sob uncontrollably or something like that. <laughs> so, yeah, it's really amazing to get to be part of those stories. And congratulations. Well done. Love is Thank not, in fact, dead. That album was a mistake. <laughs> not at all. I've got, it. I've got the album sitting behind me, but I appreciate the sentiment. <laughs> Do you yourself, Lauren, have a, a band or a song? I know you just said there's a few. Is there one that you could share with us? Oh... Um, I mean, I don't. Sometimes I worry that I'm like, hmm, I'm not <laughs> emotionally stable because certain <laughs> certain lyrics, certain lines, or certain songs, um, like because you have the Death Cab vinyl behind you. I'm like, if if I ever see, whenever I see Death Cab, if they play Transatlanticism, there's no coming back for me. It's over. <laughs> like I am just <laughs> full on waterworks. And I noticed this in the like a couple of months ago, even though folklore has been out for two years-ish, give or take. And without fail, I always get teary-eyed at the line, I knew you leaving like a father, running like water. And my da- my mum and dad are still together. So there's no <laughs> there's no reason for me to be weeping at this other than, I guess, extreme daydreaming or empathy. I don't know what it is, but I just think that line is so good. And the way that it's shaped on the on the melody, like it comes up at that moment, and she gets me. She knows she gets me, Taylor. She always gets me with her, <laughs> with her sad ones. <laughs> so I feel like good, and, and no discredit to any other music, but I feel like good music has this 
power to kind of envelop you almost. And so, as you said, although your parents are still together, you can see yourself in that scenario, in that world that she's built. Well, yeah, and she's such an amazing storyteller generally. And I think that's something, yeah. There's a lot of music I can appreciate, but I can't really love something unless it makes me feel something. Like, I think there's, I don't really, for better or worse, I don't have... I don't have a fun relationship with music. <laughs> it's very fun insofar as the celebration of a live show. And But when I think about if somebody was like, what are your favourite songs? What are the five songs you would listen to on your last day on earth? They're all probably over-emotional <laughs> in some way or another. So, mm-hmm. chicken and egg. Are you sad because you listen to sad music or <laughs> vice versa? I don't know. But it feels comforting. Like, yeah, Cardigan makes me... Like happy, sad, which I think is good. Yes, I would agree. I think there is a there's a power in the happy, sad, and I don't want to delve too far into that, or else we'll just we'll kind of focus on that for the whole chat, and I don't want to do that. <laughs> um, we'll just be trading sad one-liners. Be like, remember this lyric, that one. E- mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> I'll get emails being like, "Why did you and Lauren just talk about the five songs that will play when you guys die?" And that was it. <laughs> yeah, it's not really. It's a bit of a downer. Bit of a downer. But for another time, maybe like yeah, when we're in Australia, we can have that conversation over like a, a wine or something. <laughs> that sounds brilliant. That sounds brilliant. Um, yes. You are coming back to us, as we've mentioned, uh, in support of. Green Violence, which is the fourth church's studio record that is out. We've only recently, I think a month ago or so, celebrated the one-year anniversary. Firstly, congratulations on this record because it is a beautiful record. Thank you. That's very nice of you. It's our little spooky fourth child. <laughs> <laughs> we are coming up to Halloween, so it does almost seem kind of fitting that we do have you on the podcast. Um, I guess to begin with, this this record takes on a... I, I, I don't want to say, I feel like concept album sometimes can be greeted with a a look or that it's a dirty word. I don't feel that it's a concept album. I feel like it's a, let's say, pseudo concept maybe, like an adjacent concept yeah. album. Yeah, I think so. Like we definitely use all the, the horror themes and imagery, but the record itself isn't really about horror um, in the truest sense. I think it was fu- it was fun for me to have different tools to work with and be like this is the landscape that we're projecting the stories on but the stories are still very personal and I think I liked the the know like the knowing knowingness is that a word the knowingness mm-hmm. of that that to me a lot of it is about horrific things and or especially for for women things that I've experienced as a woman that have been horrific but the album is not about horror necessarily so it was fun to be able to play with those images and try and get a consistent thread throughout the album and for the live show it's been really fun because it's such a great pseudo concept to play out in a gig format because you can really be as dramatic as you want and that's kind of what a live show should be I think it's been fun to really push the boat out on those things and we've never really had that opportunity before on the other albums so yeah it's been it's been good clean spooky fun (laughs) (laughs) I love that as maybe the tagline when we do put the gig posters up around the cities of Australia we should just have churches and then down the bottom quoted good clean spooky fun I mean, I would go, but I'm biased. But yeah, uh, yeah, I think it's been fun. And it's been fun at these shows, especially to see people getting into the the concept of it. Like a lot of the time people will come in their favourite horror movie shirt or 
they do kind of certain outfits or costumes and there's a kind of fake blood theme through some of the I don't want to give too much away before of we play course. the shows but some people come to the shows having done the kind of full carry thing or they just do excellent glittery stage makeup and to me that's such an amazing thing to get to see because I didn't ever think we would be in a band where people felt like that about it you know where you can be free and not I don't know dorky as you like but whatever <laughs> you like and I think yeah life's really lonely man so if it can be less lonely for an hour and 30 minutes then that's quite nice I think so 100% yeah. that sense of community I think is brilliant and from what I've seen again not giving away anything the footage and videos and images from some of these other shows in the US and Europe it does look like everyone is kind of partaking in in the concept of of the whole package of this this record um I do want to get to the songwriting of the record in a second but I was wondering if you'd indulge me from what I heard is that there's a little bit of an obsession with horror movies but that you're not particularly great with them Yes, it's a strange emotional torment <laughs> I put on myself. Um, especially as I've gotten older, I think when I was when I was sixteen, I was or something. I was still really very anxious, but I think I don't know. I think if you're lucky enough, lucky enough to not have been around certain experiences at that point in time, you have this kind of youthful arrogance of immortality or something <laughs> so I was definitely afraid of it but it didn't death as a concept seemed more abstract in that way that it doesn't now that we've all lived a bit more life um but yeah I feel like and I had to wa- I watched a lot of horror movies in in the writing of the record to try and find ideas and imagery and things like that and it was horrendous <laughs> it was horrendous because <laughs> I'm deeply afraid of everything like I watched a lot of them in lockdown with my partner and he can eat dinner watching them. He falls asleep during them habitually. I don't have that. Like, I think we were talking about it once and he said he thinks it's because I have a very active imagination, which is good for writing, but mm-hmm. bad <laughs> in all other ways. <laughs> because I just think about things. And I think a lot of a lot of horror and the way that women are talk, talk, talked about in horror is an allegory, sort of. And I think that that picking up on those things was important for the writing of the album I think but I don't think that watching all the paranormal activities helped me with my writing in any way but uh, it just traumatised me <laughs> so <laughs> I, yes. I would agree I, when it comes to paranormal activity or like um, supernatural horror I'm out of the room <laughs> I'll take like a Friday the 13th or even Scream for like people of our generation but yeah paranormal activity no, thank you. Yes, like slasher, slasher stuff. I like. I think Scream is probably one of my favourite horror movies, um, and I think it is because it plays with a lot of those ideas. And I definitely cover my eyes and I'm horrified by those kind of violent moments. But it doesn't. I don't generally believe that Ghostface is going to pop up at my window. And <laughs> I don't fear things in that way. But then if it's psychological or mm-hmm. I don't know things that are left possession, any movie with possession can't. Nope. I'm yep. going to think about that for months solidly. <laughs> Can't do that. <laughs> no. So, and I don't know. I think, especially, like, I looked, was reading a lot about, like, the f- feminist take on horror or the female gaze and the female lens on it. And I think, I'll, apparently, a lot of the time when women, like, 
I'm not explaining this very well, but a large audience of horror is female. And we're like, well, why would you want to watch that? Because terrible things are happening to women on screen. And I think a lot of it for me anyway, was feeling like you're less insane for being afraid of things. Because I think that as a woman, you just there's instinctive things that you know to be afraid of like nobody ever said to me make sure you have your keys out before you get to your door don't stop in a taxi outside your house like just things that you know how to do like no male friend I have ever shares their uber location with their friend and every female friend I have does that so just things that we know instinctively we just know instinctively the world is a scarier place for us I think mm. and seeing that played out on screen sometimes I think is reassuring because it even though it's a, fan, it's a fiction it still makes you feel more grounded in what your reality is if that makes sense yeah. I don't know that's what no. I've told myself I get out of it <laughs> I don't know <laughs> <laughs> I, I would agree and obviously it's difficult for me to say this from a, from a male perspective because I haven't lived that female perspective but from what I understand it, it is it is that you're um, able to kind it is it's it's a reassurance of like this is the reason why we do these things because somewhere this does exist it's not every day but it is it is reality some somewhere if that makes sense mm-hmm. yeah and I think in something like Scream you're like the killer's always the boyfriend and in real life like that's something that women think about a lot like most violence that's done against women is in- intimate partner violence and you know so there are like you're taking things from real life and putting them through a fictional lens mm. but when I watch them I see things it's not just a 90 minute film and you leave it it there are those bookmarks of real experience in there I guess but I can't do too much of it (laughs) I don't want to be too justified (laughs) and just terrified all the time I think that's smart there is a balance to be to be uh, had with the with the songwriting for this record as I understand was that uh, yourself and the guys wrote a number of these songs and then there's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Afterwards, or maybe with the benefit of hindsight, were able to work out not exactly what you had written about, but when you revisited some of the songs after writing them, kind of really were able to see with clarity that you were writing about some more kind of serious topics. Um, and, I'm, and I'm curious of whether, I guess, even when you were starting to write these, and I know you said you were kind of going through different horror movies to see themes, different kind of uh, imagery, whether, I guess you realised the weight of what was being said in some of these songs when the inception of them were happening or whether it was when you listened to the the full body of work that you kind of went, holy, 
part of my language, holy shit, um, this is what we're actually saying? Um, I think the themes... The theme sort of revealed itself as time was going on. Like, we had the title, and I think at the start of it, I thought most of it would be, like, really, really concept-heavy because at that time, also, I don't want to write about myself. I don't want to talk about any of these things. I want to be left alone. And that's kind of a bad place to come at something as a writer, I guess, or for me, anyway. But when I look at it, I'm like, the songs that we managed to write before lockdown happened were the songs that are least the least concept heavy so it was like he said she said and good girls i think were the two that were like fully had lyrics on had everything and we had the demo for how not to drown but there weren't fully lyrics on it yet um so a lot of the digging into the, the horror as a metaphor or whatever that all happened in lockdown time and i think it's been a good lesson for me i suppose that I can come up with initial ideas in a room, but I do kind of need the space from something to sit and turn it over and turn it over and get to, I don't know, just kind of whittle away at something until you find find what you're actually trying to say. And I think if this album had been written in the way that we'd done the previous records, where I take like an afternoon of space in the other room and then come back to record it, I don't think we would have gotten the same uh, emotional... In, I don't know, emotional intensity or vulnerability or something in the lyrics. So it turns out being shut in a house by yourself for several months <laughs> uh, <laughs> is kind of an accidentally good writing exercise, for better or worse, I think. From what I understand is that this album and the fact that the three of you were separated, if I understand correctly, I think Ian was still in Glasgow and you and Martin were in LA but in separate properties or houses. Yes. With having written separately for the first time. Do you think that this is a concept that will... Sorry, not concept. Uh, I guess a, a songwriting practice that will continue moving forward now that that kind of glass has been broken? Um, I don't know. I think I would definitely take away from it that it's not bad for me to want space to dig into certain things. Um, and I think previously I would have felt uncomfortable about that or guilty about that like I'm holding up the process and the guys work really fast and I'm getting in the way so I need to come up with something now and I don't to me I'm like that was a lesson and it takes as long as it takes and if the end product is better for it then that's worth worthwhile I shouldn't be worrying about what other people are thinking about it while I'm doing it but I think if the guys had to work like that again I think there would be murder if they had to do that because it's so much more difficult for them with the trying to figure out audio movers and it's hard to write music over Zoom and stuff, I think. Like lyrics, I kind of just put myself on mute and mind my business. So it's kind of same the same for me in different situations, but it's much harder to get that initial spark of an idea in a musical sense, I think, to get the initial excitement. It's just, in the same way with anything, you can hang out with your friend on Zoom and it just doesn't have that extra 20% energy that it does in real life. So, yes, I think we will keep the good parts and leave the bad parts, hopefully. No, look, I think that the one thing about COVID and what we've been speaking to artists about is that if you can find any kind of silver lining in it, then, then that is a good thing. Whatever lessons can be learned is yes. obviously a good thing, yeah. Yeah, I think so. And it feels, for me anyway, I think it was a 
actually, like, I don't know, I don't want to say anything was fortuitous about it, but it was fortuitous timing insofar as I think it was the enforced reflective moment that we probably needed, that we wouldn't have gotten otherwise. And I don't know, I think when you're in this kind of juggernaut of album cycles and campaigns and blah, 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 like there is so much time pressure or don't miss this opportunity, don't miss this boat. And, you know, you got to make sure, like, you can make whatever album you want, but make sure there's a radio single on it. And I feel like it's important to be aware of that stuff, I guess. But I think I'd come out of a time period where I was really disillusioned with all that stuff and I think if we hadn't been locked in our houses <laughs> unable to get out maybe we would have continued down that road because that's the road that is recommended to you all the time um and then to me I just kind of got to a point where I was like you only really get to do any of this once what's the point in not doing it doing something that you really feel yeah I, it was a good moment to reflect on what you really feel that you want to say and what you want to do and what do you want what you're making to represent, sort of, mm-hmm. I guess. Because nobody's necessarily going to remember whether it was on a radio playlist for two weeks or not. <laughs> <laughs> Unless it's, if it's massive and it's on the radio all the time, then people will remember. But you know what I mean? I feel like we're kind of in that middle space where we're not Coldplay, but we're not completely unknown. So it's like, what do you want to do with that space when you have it, I think? Especially for a lyricist, like you are the front front person of the band literally and otherwise you're the mouthpiece so I was like what do I want to do with this mouth <laughs> I guess <laughs> do you remember I guess because I feel like church has always has been um a band who and I want to make sure I kind of word this correctly but I feel that church has always been a band that has had something to say but still been able to deliver it in such a way that is not um I feel like it's it's always extremely subtle. It's not in your face. It, it's still very powerful and that it's got this beautiful balance of that you're not kind of singing repetitive kind of words, that there is this story behind what is going on and that you've always done that quite well. So firstly, I just wanted to, to say that to you. Thank you. Why not? One of my favourite lyricists in front of me, I'm going to take that opportunity. Um, but I was curious, do you remember your first interactions with songwriting or writing lyrics or it might have even been poetry yeah I think that's I used to like when I was a kid like a teen tweens teens I would write down just really crap poems (laughs) I think um and then when I was in bands even if I wasn't singing I would always contribute to the lyrics um and I think that to me has always been the kind of crux of what I love about songs. Like, I'm, I'm a lyrics bitch at the end of the day, you know? <laughs> like, I can really love everything about a song and if the, the lyrics are just like, eh, okay, or I don't really... I don't know. If, if a song has, like, a mediocre all-right lyric and the rest of it's amazing, then I'll, it's just not going to... I don't know. It doesn't really resonate with me for a prolonged period of time. So, yeah. And I think the stuff that I'm most proud of that we've done is something that you know it can still it can still be hooky and it can still be really lo- loving lovingly pop if that makes sense but it doesn't mean that it needs to be dumb and I love a good like there's so many dumb pop quote-unquote dumb pop songs I love but <laughs> I feel like when I've tried to do that it doesn't it doesn't land as well necessarily so I think pushing yourself to write something you think people will write never goes that well <laughs> I don't think um yeah. but yeah I don't know 
It is a beautiful mystery that I kind of love about music just in general, but again, with yourselves in churches, I think that there is a, a powerful, um, powerful, I don't even know what the word is, there's something powerful at play when it does come to the music of churches, but we very much appreciate it um, and that you guys are putting it out there. Uh, as we've mentioned, this whole conversation, you are coming back to Australia. In terms of these live shows, I know we've already given the tagline clean, spooky, fun, but what can um, <laughs> people expect in terms of coming to see you at the festival? I guess, are we going heavy with screen violence? Can people expect some of the uh, some of their favourite bangers from Every Open Eye, from Love Is Dead, from from that first record from Bones? Yeah, like I think the aesthetic we've definitely built around screen violence, but we're always really conscious of making sure we play a good cross-section of things from each record. And, yeah, I don't think we're ever going to be that band that's like, we're playing nothing but the new album because <laughs> every musician likes what they've just made the best because it's exciting and new. But I hate it when you go to, sh- go to shows and you're like, please, just play the one. Just play the one from before <laughs> as well as all the new stuff. So, yes, I feel like we've made quite a good mixtape type set list, I think. So there'll be all the eras are covered, which will be very fun, I think. Beautiful. That's beautiful to hear. Uh, I guess in from those past eras, do you have a track or tracks that kind of stand out that you love to revisit that when it does pop up on the set list that it's, there's a moment of enjoyment for yourself? Oh. Um, I feel like every open eye, the second record, felt like a kind of turning point for me personally because that's the first album that... I got to write all the lyrics on. Um, the first album, I think there was a couple of songs that Ian and Martin had written lyrics on before I joined the band. So, um, yeah, it was a lot. I felt like it was a lot of pressure, <laughs> a lot of pressure for me in that moment. But then I remember getting the lyrics to Leave a Trace and I was like, yes, okay, I think that this is a good path to be on. And that song, I'm like, it's, that feel like it's really grown with the band as, as we've gotten older, as some of our fans have gotten older. Um, yeah, the second verse, people people go a bit feral in the second verse. And Clear as Blue, <laughs> like that song just took on a life of its own. Like it was never really supposed to be a single. It was one of those like instant grat tracks when those were a thing. And it only became a single because people responded to it so amazingly at shows. And in the last year, like it's had a sync in that show Heartstopper and that's just given it a whole new lease of life. And I feel like it was always like a celebratory part of the set, but I think now... It's just the crackers. It's just that, <laughs> but times times a hundred, and that it feels really wonderful to be part of a thing that makes people feel joyful. Especially since a lot of the lyrics are more melancholy. I think it's nice to have that balance between the introspection and the release. I think so. It's lovely to get to be a part of that. One hundred percent. I think that uh, I know we've been talking about songwriting throughout this conversation, but there is again something magical about the almost the juxtaposition of sad lyrics and happy music that seem to to blend well and I think that that's where some of the best music from churches and and other bands outside of that have come from um uh lastly Lauren we would usually talk to our guests about what they're currently listening to if there's anything that's uh, currently on high rotation for yourself Ooh, well I've been listening a lot to the new Florence and the Machine album because I'm going to see her this weekend. So I was like, just got to bone up, just got to brush up mm-hmm. <laughs> and make sure. And I'm really excited to see that show. Like, I kind of hate, sometimes I hate seeing spoilers of gigs 
on Instagram and stuff when you see the <laughs> I'm like no I don't want to see all the production but the bits I've seen of it look amazing and she's obviously such a phenomenal performer so I've just been shuffling the Florence back catalog at this point <laughs> that is a very solid choice um, Lauren thank you so much for coming onto the podcast today I do appreciate it we're very excited to see you at Falls uh, and all the other festivals later in the year but congratulations on screen violence but thank you for coming onto the pod Yay, thank you for having us and we'll see you in the new year. And that's our show. A massive thank you to Lauren Mayberry for her time. Screen Violence is out now and we've left links in the show notes if you'd like to purchase the record or purchase tickets to see them at Falls Festival. We also want to give a huge shout out to Jerry at Scrabble PR for helping out with today's interview. If you like this show, Please subscribe wherever you get your pods and stay up to date when new episodes are released. We release new shows each Wednesday and Friday morning and we now have a Patreon, which you can find within the show notes of this episode. You can follow the player's profile on Spotify and you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook and TikTok. Until next week, cheers. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.